When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallen. Hey, Penn State fans. Bob Flounders here, joined on a Wednesday, pretty nice Wednesday, uh, by Daniel Gallen in State College. I'm in Harrisburg. We are getting to yet another blue-white breakdown podcast, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. We're going to talk quite a bit of Penn State football uh, in this one as well. Uh, But just a reminder, Daniel will be back later in the week with Dustin Hockensmith. I'm going to guess there might be some really good recruiting uh, convo going on there, but Daniel, I don't, I don't want to speak for you. I know you, you might still be uh, outlining your, your podcast, but I thought Daniel considering what the Penn State men's basketball team did last night and considering that you were there and considering that apparently Tom Izzo threw a little bit of a hissy fit and made some Michigan state players unavailable, which is, I guess never happens with Michigan state. He must've been pretty upset about them blowing that lead and Penn state winning a very, very hard fought defensive game. What did that game do you think mean for Penn state and if they can keep it going with a win over Minnesota, does that change anything for you with those Penn State Nittany Lions? Yeah, I mean, it was a huge win. 62-58, Penn State was down by 14 early in the second half. Uh, Micah Shrewsbury finally got his first technical foul. Congrats, uh, as the Penn State congrats coach. Micah. It was honestly a surprise that it took that long to get to that point. I mean, mm-hmm. there's kind of that that funny dynamic with basketball coaches sometimes. Where you can, sometimes you can tell. And there were a couple moments the past few weeks where, where it looked like Shrewsbury was, you know, pleading a case to uh, to get the technical. But that was part of like a, a four point swing because they were down by, I think, seven. And that made it an 11 point game with the two free throws in possession. Mm-hmm. But Penn State kind of just worked their way back. They got some good three pointers. Sam Sessoms uh, hit a couple shots. Seth Lundy, I think he was five of 12 from deep. And then John Hara. Uh, was just working the paint the whole game. Lot of, there was a lot of love on Twitter for for John. I, I saw that people were really really impressed. Uh, and it's it's obviously this wasn't an isolated incident, Daniel. But I mean, it just seems like he is definitely one of those lunch pail kind of guys that if you need some dirty work done, uh, he's your guy. But yeah, I noticed right away a lot of people felt like he played a big role. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just noticed it too. There was a, there's a loveathon going on right now with John. No, Hera had a great game, um, and he he's had a couple quiet games this year, but he really made his presence felt, and that was big for Penn State. I mean, he's the the emotional leader of the team, fifth-year senior, uh, a pretty big tone setter, big culture guy, so it was a really top performance from him. But overall, I mean, it's the biggest one they've had under Micah Shrewsbury. I mean, 
the double overtime win over Iowa uh, two weeks ago was big, but this one, you know, it's his first win against a ranked team. Michigan state was number 19 last night. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's Michigan state. I mean, that's a big 10 program with, with a lot of clout. It's a name and the fashion that they did it with where they were down by 14, got it back to one. And then it was kind of that, kind of touch and go where mm-hmm. Michigan state would bump it back out to four. It would get back to three and then stuff on the, had a very nice step back uh, jumper in the mid range to, to put Penn state in front and they made it uh, down the stretch. They made it to the finish line. So it's a big game. Their next four games are, are all against teams that are below them in the standings, Minnesota, Maryland, Northwestern, Nebraska, all those games, except for Maryland are at home, uh, Penn State lost to Minnesota on Saturday night, but that's kind of it's still a winnable game, and, and maybe coming mm-hmm. home uh, will help a little bit. So I think Penn State is in they're in good shape. I mean, if they can win these next games, these next four games, they would be nine and nine. Uh, Illinois and Rutgers on the road are the final two games. So if you're finishing nine and eleven in conference play for a team that talent-wise, is kind of on the the bottom end of the Big Ten. I mean, that's a really, really good first year for Micah Shrewsbury. Um, I mean, I think that he's definitely established himself as a, as a really, really good coach. Speaking of teams that could be on the bottom of the Big Ten standings if they don't start quickly in the fall. Did you like that segue? Speaking that's of good. teams... I'm talking. To, I am talking about James Franklin's Nittany Lions. I am not. I'm not even joking. This is a team that started 2020 0 and 5. This is a team uh, that went two and six in their last eight in 2021. This is a team that's 11 and 11 in the last two years. James always likes to talk about the the run from 2016 through 2019, and he's he's right to do that because they very impressive. You know, winning that many games, 42, I think, a Big Ten title. Two New Year's Six games. Great stuff. You also got to talk about 14, 15, 20, and 21. The schedule is not exactly easy. Uh, we talked last week about the number of guys, Daniel, they have going to Indianapolis for the scouting combine. Eight could have easily been nine. You know, it's it's not. it wouldn't be surprising if they had eight, nine, or maybe even more drafted. It's, it's hard to look at that number of kids getting drafted and then looking at that record. It's, it's hard to kind of – rationalize that so i just think that the penn state fan base is eagerly awaiting the start to the season on a thursday night and one of the reasons they are daniel is the young players i've been writing about uh some young players who could be uh players to watch in 2022 by that i mean key role players starters maybe even impact players as young players and i wanted i have i have a list of four guys um and you could certainly chime in but Uh, of this list that I'm like, I just wonder if we're really excited enough about some of these young guys. I think these young guys are going to be key players. uh, If Penn state's going to kind of get it back, get it back on track. I'll start with two. It's the It's the King twins, Kalen King and Kobe King. I think these guys absolutely could have a very huge say in what Penn state's final record is going to be. And I'm not trying to put pressure on them. I'm going the other way. I just think they're that talented and they're, they're poised to be key contributors. Kalen, down the stretch that final month, I thought was very good uh, as he got more reps at corner. He's not afraid to tackle. He's good in coverage. He can run. He was the spring standout even before the season. And Kobe King with two linebacker spots open at 240 pounds, 
Uh, in terms of talented linebackers, um, he's probably their biggest ta- uh, talented linebacker. It sure seems like to me he's a guy they're going to look at hard in the middle of the field. How do you feel about the Kings? And maybe I think Penn State fans should probably be a little bit more excited about them. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's kind of uh, with with Kalen King, the the expectations were set pretty high for him last year. And just given kind of playing time, you, you kind of knew that even though you were hearing so much about him, that that you weren't going to you weren't going to see him too, yeah. too much just because of being a true freshman and, and playing a position where Penn State already had two established starters on the outside and Joey Porter Jr. and Terry Castro Fields. So I think that he got plenty of valuable experience last year. He got he got a lot of run in the bowl game, got a lot of run down the stretch, was on the field and some some key points. Yeah. So I think that Kalen King will definitely be someone to watch, especially when you have the the open spot opposite Joey Porter Jr. with Tariq Castro Fields moving on. Yeah. Um so I think that it'll kind of be cool to I guess kind of put a lot more eyes to what we were to what we were hearing. Uh, yeah. last year and and what the the coaching staff was saying and then Kobe King I think that when you look at the the roster just based on need and where Penn State is going to have to replace some starters I think that that's a really really good guy to be excited about because yeah. um, you have to replace those two starters at linebacker um, obviously Curtis Jacobs will move to to that will spot depending on how close Manny Diaz kind of keeps it yeah. to the template that Brent Price had but you got to replace Alice Brooks and, and Brandon Smith, and Kobe King has the chance to do that. He's going to be a redshirt freshman. Um, they saved that redshirt. He got some experience here and there. We were also hearing good things about him in the spring, so he probably has maybe the the best shot at really stepping in. Um, obviously, Kalen King does too, but Johnny Dixon's there. There's a lot of cornerbacks on their roster. Defensive backs can kind of rotate through, but mm-hmm. just kind of what's at linebacker, Depth-wise, I think that it's a really, really prime opportunity for Kobe King. Uh, with regard to the corner room, you know, Tariq Castro-Fields will be missed, but he was a guy that sometimes we didn't see a lot of. Now, I know he had a good senior bowl, but he w- he had trouble staying healthy at times, and he wasn't on the field even when he was healthy at times. I know they like to rotate their corners, but I think Penn State's fans, Daniel, to your point, should be feel really good about a corner room that features Joey Porter Jr. if he can kind of – eliminate some of those penalties because they became a problem during the second half of the season. I thought his first half of the season, though, was very good. I thought he made some big plays. He made a huge play on the goal line in the Wisconsin game that people uh, tend to overlook. I think he had an interception against Indiana, but I thought he was playing good. And then he got, once he started getting flagged, I don't know if he got a little tentative or it went the other way, but this is a talented player. And then Daquan Hardy uh, as a slot corner, I just think his experience if you remember, he closed the regular season, I think, with a pick six in the Michigan State game. Johnny Dixon is another good mention. I think there's no reason why he shouldn't be one of Penn State's top four corners. That's a pretty that's a that's a pretty good depth chart, I think, if you're Manny Diaz in Penn State. And and as far as the linebackers go, I don't want to say Kobe King is the guy to beat out, uh, maybe starting inside, but when you look at the middle linebacker, you look at how big you need to be for that position. I mean, he, he's got the body type and he's got the athleticism to me. Maybe Manny Diaz looks at it differently, but I mean, he looks to me like a guy that should be getting maybe first crack. I know Charlie Catcher and Tyler Elson are in the mix as well, but I think Kobe King is, is a pretty special player. I'm more curious what they're going to do on the strong side. If, if you're right and they move, they kick Curtis inside to the will position. 
who would be the guy? Because that's the guy that's got to kind of be more of a coverage player. He's got to be pretty quick, too. Um, I don't know if it would be another redshirt fr- freshman, Jamari Budin. I don't know if they're going to use maybe a safety in that role, and they're going to play – There'll be just a lot of two linebacker sets and maybe more five DB sets. John Sutherland, uh, number zero. I mean, John Sutherland, I guess, is, is a guy that could be the answer as a kind of a hybrid player that Penn State likes. But I, I would hope they would give somebody like Budin a look at one of those three positions. I think Sutherland will get the the first crack at it. I know that before the bowl game, James Franklin said that that's kind of uh, Jonathan Sutherland's kind of long-term outlook was at linebacker. And then last week when Penn State started its winter workouts and each position coach was was shouting out the um you know their their top competitor of, of the day at their respective positions. Um Sutherland got the nod from Manny Diaz, uh defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. So I think that, that shows that Sutherland will Sutherland will get that first crack at that that Sam linebacker because you know he can play in space. Um he might not have necessarily been athletic enough to play safety full time, but I think that he probably has a little bit more athleticism than maybe the average uh, average linebacker. So that will definitely be be worth watching just because, you know, the numbers at linebacker last year, Penn State just got so lucky that, you know, the only time that people missed were uh, when Brooks was suspended for targeting late in the Wisconsin game and for the first half of the ball state game. So Jesse Lucetta moved back to the middle linebacker. And then when Curtis Jacobs missed the Rutgers game because of the flu, <laughs> um, that was when Jonathan Sutherland uh, came down to the Sam. And obviously the bowl game was kind of a, a different animal with moving pieces around uh, yeah. at linebacker with Smith and Brooks out. But I think for the most part last year, Penn State didn't really have to look at the depth. And kind of when you pull that curtain back, it's kind of it's 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 really interesting and it's going to fit together in a much different way this year and beyond. Talking about Penn State young players to watch this year, not only watch, but I think that they have a chance to be, you know, hit the ground running and not just be role guys, but guys that can really help this team. Because they did lose, they lost a lot of a lot of key players, and it's going to show up at the combine. It's going to show up uh, in the NFL draft. The the depth hits that they have taken. It's great to be excited about the quarterback room, and Penn State fans should be. That might be something you want to be more excited about at midseason, or maybe even in 2023. Because Sean Clifford is back. I'm talking about young players who I think really can help the team. You know, almost immediately before I get, I ask you for one. I want to get to another guy that I think that all signs point to him. Penn State feeling really, really good about him, and that is our guy Olu Fashanu, who started at left tackle. I've just given up on. I don't even try and write or type his his whole name, only because I know I'm going to just mess it up. And the fact that everyone else is just going with Olu. It's been a blessing for me. It's much easier for me to get around that name. But the fact that he was the starter at left tackle and, you know, Landon Tangwall was not the starter at left tackle in the bowl game, even though Landon did some good things, I think, against Rutgers. I think James Franklin was was telling the truth when he said that he would have, if he hadn't had an injury and, you know, earlier in the year, he would have probably played when Rasheed Walker couldn't go. I thought he did pretty well against the Razorbacks. And I think Landon Tangwall is a good player. So if they, if they like Olu a little bit better than Landon, I think that speaks to a guy that maybe they feel very comfortable about playing a a key position at left tackle. 
Yeah, I think Fashanu is going to have first crack at that left tackle spot. Obviously, Tangwall was kind of uh, as kind of you since he didn't play. We didn't see him until the very end of the year. There's a lot of mystery on. All right, is he? Can he play on the edge? Is he going to play inside? How is that going to shake out? And then we saw him for the first time playing tackle uh, when in that Rutgers game when things were kind of very unsettled, but. I think the fact that he played guard in the bowl game with yeah. that kind of month of practice leading up to it, I think that that kind of shines a light on on the long-term future for him. And I think that it's going to be really, really interesting to see what he can do in year two and then Fashanu in year three. I mean, when you talk about the offensive linemen, uh, when they get to college, it's all right in your second and third year. I, we You kind of get the full picture of, of what – what this player might be able to do, what he might be able to become, because he has time in the system, has time in the weight room. And and Fashanu is listed at six foot six, three hundred thirteen pounds. I'm really interested to see what he'll be listed at uh come on. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, way over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember one of the things that uh Mike Yersh had said, I think the day before the bowl game when he was made available, I think he was asked specifically about Olu and he said uh, you know, strength's never going to be an issue uh, with Olu. You know, six six three seventeen. That sounds like huge, but really, if you're really six six, that's not a lot of weight for uh, an offensive tackle. You know, there's some offensive tackles that can play at three twenty five, three thirty, and look really good. For him to be that strong, yeah, I'll be curious. I, I bet you he's closer to three twenty five. I think probably by the time the, the Purdue game on September first. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Okay, Daniel. We've been talking about it for a little while. Is there a guy, a young guy, you think Penn State fans should be more excited about uh, as we head into spring training that maybe they're not quite as excited about now? I think one of the wide receivers that pops up for me is Harrison Wallace the third. Um, he's someone where you saw his basketball highlights uh, yeah. in his senior year of high school where he's just dunking all over everyone, uh, really athletic. I don't think we saw Liam Clifford at all last year, maybe until the bowl game, but we did see Harrison Wallace here and there. Um, yeah. They kept his red shirt. You know, he's going to be a red shirt freshman and he'll have a chance to, we'll be able to see how much more refined he is. And we've seen that Taylor Stubblefield has done a really nice job with Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert Smith and kind of developing those guys and refining them. Um, and even though Washington came in already pretty refined, but Lambert Smith kind of you saw him taking the steps forward. So with someone who's kind of as raw and an athlete as Harrison Wallace or Trey Wallace, like I think that he is someone who will kind of be able to see the the product of coaching um, when he's on the field and through the summer and into the fall. Yeah, I did. I did notice him. Uh, I, I did notice him. He he did play, I think, a couple of snaps in the uh, in the Outback Bowl loss to Arkansas. But with the skill set that we've seen in terms of him being a basketball player and his size, he does seem like he is a fit as an outside receiver who can who can be a threat either running by uh, defenders 
or just simply winning contested catches with that kind of uh, ability to jump. So I don't know how close he is to being maybe a top four or top five guy. When you talk about uh, Parker coming back, when you talk about Mitchell Tinsley, um, when you talk about Keandre Lambert-Smith, and you talk about Malik Mega, and you mentioned you mentioned Clifford. So I just think that that's uh, there's going to be a lot of competition. I think uh, in the wideout group because they can say they want to play six guys, but really, you know, it's going to be like four four guys are going to get the bulk of the snaps, and the top three, you know, are, are going to play more than anyone else, especially when Penn State goes to two tight end sets. So, you know, that third guy won't be playing a lot. So. It, you really want to be in the top four, I think, come September, early October, if you want to have, I think, a, me- a meaningful year. And I'm glad, Daniel, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Harrison Wallace because my final pick, I'm going to go with the true freshman. I know he's ballyhooed, but I think Caden Saunders, just kind of getting up to speed on 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 his recruitment and 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 what what he projects uh, at, what he can do for Penn State, and what his toolkit looks like, man. Uh, the fact that he's going to get a spring and a, to, to kind of work and learn the offense, man, he is a guy as a true freshman that I think I, I just think that if if Parker Washington can do what he did in 2020 and he didn't even have a lot of offseason work, I think I think Saunders is, is you know Parker's a great athlete and a great player, but I, I think Saunders is it might even be a little bit better. And everyone wants to mention KJ Hamler when I talk about him, so to me, to me, he's a guy that. If that comparison is is, is on the money, uh, him in the slot could be a dangerous thing when he's on the field. Yeah, I think Saunders of the the incoming freshmen and especially the early enrollees, he's going to have the the best chance to produce. Um, you, know, you kind of watch his tape; he can do a little bit of everything, and I think that he'll be one of those players who is just kind of always open. That somehow underneath, when you need you need kind of a, a safety net, at least in earlier in his career, that. Yeah. He'll be able to to get open, get the ball in his hands, make some things happen, and then maybe you kind of sprinkle him in a little bit more as that vertical threat. So he's someone to be really excited about and kind of outside of the outside of Nicholas Singleton, um, I think that Saunders <laughs> has kind of the the best chance to come in and contribute right away based on position and just kind of the the overall nature of his skill set and kind of what Penn State needs because Parker Washington is kind of set to be that number one uh, receiver coming into this year. And so I think that we'll, we might see him used a little bit differently in 2022 than he was in 2021. And Saunders is there to kind of step in and, and maybe take over um, a little bit of that, you know, kind of number two, three slot role uh, that we saw Washington do a lot of. I'm glad you brought Singleton up because here's my thing. <laughs> and I've heard nothing but great things about him. I know some people who've kind of coached in the area that are, that are saying, look, he's 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 going to be as good as advertised. If you're Katron Allen and you're as talented as Katron Allen is, aren't you just a little bit tired of hearing about Nick Singleton? Aren't you a little bit tired? Like, let's let's get no one has mentioned Katron Allen. And he is he was a very, very high four star. He's built like a tank. He did some great things. Coveted kid. I have to think if anyone is motivated the most, I think the most motivated player of the 2022 class that's coming in might be Katron Allen, just because as good as Singleton could be, and it's great that they have Kevon Lee, I just think that I, you don't hear anyone talking about Allen. No one. 
Yeah, and the fact that Catron Allen is coming in from IMG Academy, so right. he's basically been in a college program for the past two years that he knows kind of how things work. I mean, I think like 5'11", 220, 225, like <laughs> that's a load. And you can see him run over people. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, maybe that style of play will take maybe a year to really translate um, to the next level just because of the, the physical nature of things. But I think that he's someone that you can't sleep on, you can't forget about. Um, you know, Noah Kane's gone, John Lovett's gone. There are reps available uh, in that backfield, and obviously Singleton is an easy one to kind of pencil in. But I think that Catron Allen will have a role. He's too talented. I think he has the experience needed, and and will be able to make the adjustment. And you'll be able to kind of figure out where where to fit him in, and um, you know, give him his spots. Um, and I think that he'll be something that's beyond just like a goal line back or a short yardage back too. I think that he's someone who can really be part of an offense. So it's some pretty good, uh, pretty interesting uh, weapons for for Mike mm-hmm. Yersich and the, these with these incoming Ooh. freshmen. Do you think that after Penn State gets through winter conditioning and then spring practice uh, and the blue white game concludes on April 23rd at Beaver Stadium? Just write that down, Penn State fans. April 23rd. <laughs> Do you think that some guys like I'm like, I'm thinking of a guy like Devin Ford. If these two if these two true freshmen are looking good, like looking good and Kevon Lee's Kevon Lee. Do you think there's going to be some movement in that running back room coming out of spring training uh spring practice if if those guys really flash early and look like they're legit guys cuz Gaetron Allen has a role and Singleton has a role and Kevon Lee has a role. If you're if you're Kaziah Holmes who I still like, or Devin Ford, it's a, it's a numbers game, man. Like, why am I staying here? Yeah, I think last year they kind of made a big deal about, you know, we have five we have five running backs with experience. Yeah. We can Jesus. we can use them. But when push came to shove, it was only really three at the most. Yeah. Um, depend, and sometimes even just two, depending yeah. on how the game was going. So I think in general, there's going to be a lot of movement uh, in the spring. I mean, it seems like that from kind of seeing our subscriber reaction to some things and stuff like that there there's kind of a lot of oh you know Penn State should have done more in the portal they could have done more in the portal and it's kind of like well it's not done yet there's still going to be another round of movement um after spring ball there's still guys that entered the portal after the end of last season who haven't made their decisions yet here we're going to have another round of portal entries and obviously that goes both ways so Penn State will probably see some guys move on and then, but that also means that Penn State can have some guys come in and obviously you want to have them in at the semester so you can get spring practice with them and everything. But at the same time, when it's portal guys, there's already some physical development. There's already some experience you would hope um, in terms of the players you're bringing in. So it's going to be a thing where, all right, we spent a couple weeks after the Outback Bowl kind of monitoring, waiting to see movement. Um, and now at the end of spring ball, come April 24th, April 25th, we're going to be looking again um, for some more movement. So the Penn State roster will continue to shift uh, a little bit more. Before we get out of here on the blue-white breakdown, uh, is there another guy you want to mention? Or are you just going to are you gonna save, save some of this quality content for a future Blue White Breakdown podcast with me. Is there any? Is there anyone else that you really, really like? A young player that maybe just not getting talked about yet, but boy, by September, everyone's going to be going, man. He's a he's a really good, really good player. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Jalen Reed at, at safety is is the big one because um, yeah. there is an open job next to Jair Brown. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think overall the the one guy that I've kind of been thinking about the most when kind of looking over the roster is Harrison Wallace because yeah. I think we've had kind of the the Malik Mega conversation a couple times where there's a lot of good things being said about him, um, but we haven't quite seen it on the field yet. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I kind of, I bought into it too. And I think that he still could be a really good player, but I do think that it's still a little premature to yeah. pencil him in to be that number four, <laughs> that number five. And you look at someone like Harrison Wallace, who has, has some tools and has some things that, that can happen. And I think that he should be in that conversation. But at the same time, there's a lot of competition. Tinsley came in, yeah. Saunders came in, Washington and Lambert Smith came back in, you know, they don't really, they're not really going to go six deep um, in the normal rotation. So it's, it's interesting, but I think Harrison Wallace, the third is kind of a, a name that I've been trying to, to get a little bit further up in my mind as, as we go through winter and uh, go into the, into spring practice. I know this. If they make Harrison Wallace available on a Zoom call this spring, I know at least one person that's going to sign up to want to talk to Harrison Wallace. And you're going to be – I think you're officially – you're probably the leader on the bandwagon for Harrison Wallace. I like <laughs> it. It's, I, think, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a terribly – it's not like it's a huge like uh, go-out-on-a-limb pick, but I just think that – to your point, you have the kid from Western Kentucky, you have Caden Saunders, you have guys coming back, you have Malik Mega. So if you're right on this one, you know, that's going to be a feather in your cap. Not only that, you should wear a cap with a feather in it in the fall when we do future podcasts because you're the first one I've heard talk them up this, this much. Well, kind of reading between the lines a little bit in terms of the, the winter workouts uh, yeah. and and who's getting shouted out. Um, you know, obviously, it's the off season. We were not seeing it, so we don't know for sure. But it is kind of interesting to, to read between the lines on who's getting shouted out. I mean, through three uh, practices or workouts, Kevon Lee is the only running back uh, who's gotten mentioned uh, by Jaylon Sider. But Harrison Wallace the third was mentioned after the second practice. Mm-hmm. Jaden Dotton, Keandre Lambert Smith. So it's kind of it's one of those things where it's it's another little data point when stuff's happening behind the scenes that we're not seeing to kind of you know make a little bit of a picture, try to figure out what is uh, what's maybe going on a little bit. Yeah, Daniel, I don't know how good the Penn State running back room is going to be by like October, but in terms of physical specimens. I would put their running back in room with anyone's in the country between Allen Singleton and Kevon Lee in the top three. And, you know, I'm not, and cause I Holmes is another guy that's not small, but those guys are all, they are all, you know, I think they listed Kevon Lee at almost 240. He didn't even look like he was 240. I think Singleton's what, 210, 215. Uh, the other freshman's 220. Those are some thumpers, man. And a couple of them can really run. So I just hope. That the, they just play the best guys and they commit to the run. So, you know, the quarterback isn't throwing the ball 40 times a game because it's not a recipe for winning football, I think, in this offense. As much as people want to see them throw the ball, if they can't run the ball any better, it's it's going to be a tough go, I think, for this team in the fall. Yeah, that I think that running back group is definitely going to be an, an all-star team in terms of getting off the bus. Yeah. Uh, we got going through pregame we got warm-ups. First, and, first couple of seats, man. Those are big boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that there's going to be some linebackers watching film that aren't necessarily going to be super thrilled with what yeah. they have to go up against. Some some corners, uh, yeah. you know, there might be some biz- business decisions when 
uh, Kevon Lee and, and Katron Allen get into the open field. That's why they're called business decisions. All right, Daniel, I know you got to get ready uh, for another podcast later this week, and I know you got Penn State, Minnesota, 4 o'clock Thursday uh, up there in State College. Hopefully they can build on this nice little win uh, and kind of keep it rolling. You said it sounds like the next couple games are very winnable for them. So let's see if they can they can take it, they can make up some ground, get some confidence, and uh, you just never know if they get on a roll. It, it wouldn't be the first time, but it sounds like you're having fun covering the team. It's going to be warmer the next couple of days in the 60s. So I don't know what that means in State College. I just know in Harrisburg it's going to be near 60, so that's probably like, what, high 40s in State College? That's still <laughs> going to feel warm for you. Oh, it, it's in the 30s today, but I think we're supposed to touch 60 tomorrow and, and maybe Friday. So I'll get outside, get some fresh air, and uh, in, enjoy the sights of State College. All right, Daniel, take care of yourself. We'll talk, we'll talk next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>